Hi everyone, it's nice to be coming to you from the church building here at the branch. Uh, we're in week three of our series on prayer and this week we're looking at the challenge of prayer. I think you'd probably all agree with me when I say that it's a constant challenge for us as people to consistently do the things that we know are good for us. Think about it. We know that healthy eating and a good amount of exercise and a good amount of sleep are good for us, necessary even, but it can be really hard for us to stay on top of it all. That's true for a whole host of reasons, but the end result is that our health suffers. Or another example, lots of us would love to stay in closer contact with family and friends, particularly if they live overseas or interstate, but for whatever reason, it's hard to get around to just picking up the phone or writing them an email and getting in touch. And the end result is that we miss out on closer connection with the people that we know and love. It's hard for us as people to consistently do the things that we know are good for us. That's true when it comes to healthy lifestyle habits. It's true when it comes to staying in touch with people. And sadly, it's true when it comes to prayer. Why is that? Well, today we're going to look at two clues from Luke chapter 11 that give us an insight into why prayer is such a challenge. We'll see how Jesus addresses those challenges. And my prayer is that whatever the reason why you find prayer to be a challenge, that you'll be encouraged to stick at it by Jesus' teaching in this chapter. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. If you haven't read that, you might like to go and do that now. Well, Luke chapter 11 opens with Jesus praying. It's something we see so often throughout the Gospels. And the disciples on this occasion came to him after, after he'd finished, and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that question gives us our first clue as to why prayer is such a challenge. The very fact that the disciples had to go to Jesus and ask him, Lord, teach us to pray, kind of indicates that they didn't really know how to pray. These were guys who had probably grown up as good Jews in a very religious society. They'd been following Jesus around for some time now, but they still didn't know how to pray. And when you don't know how to do something, you're less inclined to do it. Every time I try to be handy, I realize that I'm not that handy. And so when stuff comes up to do around the house, I'm reluctant to get in and have a go because I really struggle with that sort of thing. And maybe you feel the same about prayer. You wish you had a better prayer life, but when you go to pray, you find yourself stuck for words, arming and ahhing, not really, not really knowing what to pray about or how to pray. Well, don't lose heart. Because like anything, prayer is something that can be learned. And it's something that takes practice. Of course, 
you can pray messy and don't think for a second that every prayer or the only way to pray is in a well thought out, well structured prayer. But having said that, having some kind of a structure, some kind of a template to follow can really help with the practice of prayer. And God's given us a template. Jesus answers the disciples' question, teach us to pray with those famous words that are commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. Words that, when we tap into them, help us to unlock a really rich and diverse prayer life. Every line of the Lord's Prayer can be unpacked and fleshed out in your own prayer life. That is, you can pray through the Lord's Prayer line by line and use each line as like a theme to inform your own prayers and think about what sort of things you can be praying for. So let's do that. We'll go through this prayer line by line and see how we can use it to inform and enrich our own prayer life. The prayer opens, Our Father in Heaven. Calling God our Father is a reminder for us that when we come to God, we come as His children and not as His employees or His servants. And the relationship between children and their father is a relationship of trust. Martin Luther said that as we call God Father, we ask Him to implant in our hearts a comforting trust in His fatherly love. So when you pray, start by remembering and enjoying the fact that God is your Father. You can express your trust in Him and examine yourself to see where you need to trust Him more and ask that He would help you to do that. Hallowed be your name. The theologian Augustine said that this is a request that God would be glorified among the nations as he is glorified in us. That is, that God would give us such a wonder for his name, for who he is, that we would experience and know that in our hearts and that we would live out of that wonder for who God is in such a way that it causes others to want to call on him, to honour him, to bring honour to his name. We want God's name to be honoured in our hearts and among the nations. So when you pray, ask God to be a big deal in your life, in your heart and in your life. I think the hymn, Be Thou My Vision, sums it up beautifully. You can ask God to be your vision, your best thought by day or night, more precious to you than anything else, the first thing in your heart. And not just your heart, but the heart of your family, the hearts of your children, that God would be honoured in their hearts as well, in the hearts of your friends and neighbours, in the whole world, that God's name would be honoured. Your kingdom come. This is another request that has both an inward and an outward dimension. It's asking God to be the king over our own hearts and lives. And it's also asking that his kingdom would come as more and more people bow the knee to him and accept the Lord Jesus as their saviour and king. This is a great place to be 
thinking and praying for our missionaries overseas, that God would use them to bring people into his kingdom. It's also a great reminder to be thinking of people closer to home, the the people that we know who don't know Jesus as their king and their saviour, to plead with God that he would bring those people into his kingdom. Your will be done. Now, this doesn't appear in Luke chapter 11, but it does appear in Matthew chapter 6. I won't get into the differences between the two versions. If you wanted to do a bit of homework, perhaps uh, you can look into that. But we've taken this line from Matthew chapter 6. Your will be done. And Tim Keller points out that we can only properly pray your will be done if we have first prayed our Father. That is, that it's only if we trust God as a loving Father that we'll be able to submit our will to His, to obey Him and trust Him no matter what comes our way because we know that everything that comes our way comes from the hand of our Father who loves us. So when you pray, you can say to God, God, whatever happens today, whether I like it or not, I trust that it's in your will and you're using it for my good. Thank you for that. And God, help me today to live according to your will. Would I and the world around me be conformed to your beautiful plan and purpose? Notice that this prayer is nearly half over and everything so far has been God-centered. Focusing on God and his agenda for the world frees us from our own kind of self-centeredness and self-seeking. It helps to reframe our hearts so that we find our satisfaction in God and trust in his provision so that when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're not coming to God presumptuously or anxiously, but we're coming in confident dependence. Give us this day our daily bread. I think this petition, it's all of a sudden taken on a new meaning in the last few months. The daily bread that we were so sure of having in the cupboard today and tomorrow and next week and next month, all of a sudden with everything that's going on, isn't so certain anymore. What an opportunity then to learn to take things a day at a time Ask God to provide and trust that he will. It's an opportunity to recognise that everything we have comes from the generous hand of God. To pray, God, please give me everything I need today and no more. Please provide for me physically, emotionally and spiritually. And at the end of the day, to come back to God and say, God, thank you for providing for me today. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is a prayer of confession. Not a single day goes by where any one of us doesn't fall short of the people that we're called to be. We don't love God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. We don't love our neighbour as ourselves. We sin in thought and word and deed, sometimes willfully and sometimes deliberately. And Jesus teaches us that we need to bring that before God and confess it to him and ask for his forgiveness. 
And isn't it interesting that our relationship with God affects our relationship with other people? As you come to grips with just how much forgiveness you need, as you trust that that forgiveness has been provided by the blood of Jesus, as that becomes real to you, as you remember that, then you're much more inclined to forgive other people when they wrong you, to extend the grace that's been given to you. How can I, who's been forgiven so much, then go and hold it against people when they do the wrong thing by me? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. John Calvin wrote about this petition that we face both inner temptations caused by our own sinful heart and also outer temptations put in our path by Satan. And so we pray for the Spirit of God to work within us, to bend our hearts towards obeying God. And we pray for God to strengthen us so that we can stand firm against temptations. You can pray to God, God, you know my heart. You know that I'm so prone towards pride, towards putting my trust in material things, towards lust, towards envy. Please help me to guard my heart today. And as I face situations where those sins are liable to bubble up to the surface, please strengthen me so that I can stand firm and not fall into temptation. Amen. So that's the Lord's Prayer. And I hope you can see that its basic pattern and content gives you lots to go on with in your own prayer life. And notice too, just quickly, that it's a corporate prayer. We pray, Our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. We pray all these things not just on our own, but we pray on behalf of others and with others as well. The second clue about the challenge of prayer that we see in Luke chapter 11 is implicit in the two illustrations that Jesus gives next. Jesus tells the story of a pestering friend at midnight and then he goes on and he draws a comparison between evil earthly fathers and our good heavenly father. And both illustrations are really addressing the same challenge and that is the challenge of persevering in prayer, especially when it seems like prayer is going unanswered. Sometimes prayer can feel like a bit of a pointless exercise, like you're just talking to the air. It can be hard to trust that God actually does hear and answer our prayers, and it can be tempting to just give up. Maybe you've been praying that God would provide you with a partner for life, a husband or wife but you're still single and your prospects are limited. Maybe you're at a bit of a crossroads in life and you've been asking God to give you wisdom and direction, but you're still no closer to making a decision. Maybe you or someone you know has been asking God for a baby, a beautiful gift of life, but month after month after month goes by, and it's just not happening. Maybe you've been asking God for spiritual gifts, more joy in the gospel, less fear, more assurance, more zeal, 
a closer sense of God's presence, but you still lack joy, you're plagued by fears and doubts and apathy, and God feels far off. Where is God in these times? What's he doing? And what should we do? Well, the first illustration that Jesus uses to address these questions is a kind of funny story where he says, imagine you've got this friend and you go and you knock on his door at midnight and you say, please lend me some bread because I've got a friend that I need to feed and I've got nothing to give him. But your friend's in bed and so are his kids and so he says, go away. But you're not so easily put off, so you stand there and you persist, you keep knocking on his door, and because of your shameless audacity, Jesus says, your friend's actually going to get out of bed and give you what you need. You might ask, what's the point of that story? Be persistent in prayer and God will give you good gifts? Well, yes, partly. We see this same idea a few, uh, a few chapters later in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus tells the story of the, the nagging widow who goes to an unjust judge and nags and nags and nags until he finally gives her what she wants. And Jesus told that story, we read in Luke chapter 18 verse 1, to show his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. All through the Bible, we see examples of persistent prayer. Remember Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, who prayed to God year after year and asked him for a child. The Psalms are full of verses that speak about persistently crying out to God, calling out to him, waiting on him. The prophet Elijah was known for his constant prayers that God would intervene in the nation of Israel. The first verse of the book of Habakkuk is the prophet Habakkuk writing, How long must I call out for help, but you do not hear me? Jesus was constantly praying. The early church, we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, and other places throughout Acts, we read that they were joining together constantly in prayer. The list goes on, and in all of these examples, God heard and answered persistent prayer. And the lesson for us is that God hears and answers the persistent prayers of his people. So don't give up. God hears and answers your persistent prayers as well. Jesus says, ask and it will be given, but don't stop there. Seek, pursue after things and you will find, but don't even stop there. Go and knock on the door. And it'll be open to you. Jesus is kind of getting at these increasing levels of persistence. God hears and answers your persistent prayers. But that's not just because of your persistence. No, the greater truth at play here is the character of God. And that's what Jesus highlights in his second illustration. Jesus asks his disciples in Luke chapter 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give them a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? It's ludicrous. It's quite absurd to think, actually. So then if you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those 
who ask him. Dads out there, you know what it's like for your kids to uh, for your kids to ask you for stuff. Eddie's always asking for me to help him with things. He wants me to spend time with him, asks me to play with him, wants me to share my breakfast with him. And here's the thing, I love it. I'm a very imperfect dad who has some good days and some really bad days, but I still know how to give good things to my son. I love being able to help him. I love being able to spend time with him. And if he asks me for a chocolate, I'm not going to go out onto the lawn and pick up a dog poo and bring that inside and give that to him instead. It's absurd to think. But I might not give him the chocolate either. Maybe he's already had one, and if he has another one, he'll get sick. Maybe it's nearly bedtime, and I know that if he has sugar now, he'll be up all night and he'll be a wreck tomorrow. You see how even in withholding some good things, I want to give him something better. You could argue that me not giving him a chocolate is me giving him the better gift of not feeling sick or a good night's sleep. I want what's best for him. That's my heart for him as a parent. No doubt that's your heart for your kids too if you're a parent. Or even an auntie or an uncle or someone who loves the kids in your life. Your heart for them is that you want the best for them. And you must trust that that's God's heart for you as well. He wants the best for you. He wants to give you good gifts. Now, of course, we have to be careful. We can't use this teaching to justify treating God like a butler who's there at our beck and call and just gives us everything we want. Without dying the death of a thousand qualifications, we have to say that maybe you won't get the parking spot, maybe you won't get the job, or maybe you won't get the healing that you ask for. But something that we don't have to qualify, something that is a rolled gold guarantee, is that when God withholds some good things from us, he's not giving us nasty things instead. It's simply not in his character. If you pray for a spouse, you might not get a spouse. But God's not giving you a snake. If you pray for a baby, you might not get a baby. But God's not giving you a scorpion. No, even in withholding some good, God is doing something better and he wants what's best for you. How can we trust that? Well, there was a time when God gave a snake and gave a, a scorpion but he didn't give them to us. No, Jesus was the one who got the snake and the scorpion so that we could have food at the Father's table. Jesus took the venom and the sting of death in our place. He was abandoned so that we could be adopted. He was forsaken so that we could draw near. He was emptied so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And that's the best gift that God can give us, isn't it? The gift of himself. The gift of the Holy Spirit. It's what Jesus tells us to ask for. And it's what Jesus promises the Father will give. The gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. What does that gift look like? Well, the Holy Spirit helps you to trust the Father. Helps you to know his nearness and presence and to delight in him. The Holy Spirit strengthens your faith in Jesus. Helps you to love Jesus. Helps you to know that Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit helps you to fight against sin. Helps you to trust that your sins are forgiven. Helps you to forgive others. The Holy Spirit reminds you that you can't do life alone and that you need his help. The Holy Spirit helps you to depend on God. The Holy Spirit gives you comfort in the middle of hard times, gives you grace to get through those hard times, gives you wisdom to deal with every circumstance in life. The Holy Spirit eases your anxiety about life and replaces it with a peace that passes understanding. The Holy Spirit bears fruit in your life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit when you ask, and the Holy Spirit works out these wonderful realities in your life. Maybe not every time you pray, maybe not immediately, maybe it takes time, but as you persist, you find that the Holy Spirit really does work in your life, sometimes more than you could ever have imagined and in ways that you could never have even thought possible. Yes, prayer can be a challenge as we struggle to know what to pray for and as we struggle to persist in prayer. But the God to who we pray is a God that calls us to persist. He's a good and loving Father who gave us his Son. And he's a good and loving Father who will give us his Holy Spirit as we come to him in prayer. Let's do that now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege it is to come to you and call you Father to be adopted as your children. Lord, help us to have a childlike trust in you for our relationship with you to be marked by trust and confidence and love for you and for who you are as a child loves their father. Lord, show us areas of our life where we don't trust you and help us to trust you more in those areas. Hallowed be your name. Lord, we want you to be a big deal in our life. We want you to be the first thing in our hearts, our best thought by day or by night. And we want that not just for ourselves, but for our kids, our friends, our neighbours, and for the whole world to honour your name so that the world is full of your glory. Your kingdom come. Lord, we pray that more and more you would enable us to submit to your kingship, that you would be king over every area of our lives. And again, not just our lives, but that more and more people around us, both 
close to home and far afield, the people that our missionaries are trying to reach, Lord, that more and more people would be brought into your kingdom. Your will be done. We thank you that we can pray this in faith and trust in you as our Father. Lord, help us to accept the things that come our way as your will. Help us to bend our will towards yours, to seek to obey you and trust you in all things. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we pray that you would continue to provide for us. We thank you that in our country we have so much, more than we could ever need. Lord, make us grateful. Help us to recognise the little things that you provide for us, any measure of health or strength, our family, our friends, the food on our table, the jobs that we have. All these have been provided by you. And Father, we thank you for that and we pray that you would continue to provide for us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Father, we are in such need of your forgiveness. Every day we fall short. Every day we fail to love you and love the people around us. And sometimes we do it deliberately. Sometimes it's out of habit or circumstance, but whatever the case, it grieves us, Lord. And we pray that you would forgive us. Help us to know the renewing and the refreshing that comes from your forgiveness, from the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you do not count our sins against us, but you've cast them as far as east is from west. Lord, help us to really relish in that truth and to extend forgiveness to those who do wrong by us. Lord, we acknowledge that's really difficult. And so we pray that you would help us to do this as we know more and more the forgiveness that you've given to us in Jesus. Lead us not into temptation. Father, every day we're tempted by the sin that lives in us and we're tempted by the situation, situations around us. And we pray that you would strengthen us in these times, help us to continue to fight against temptation and seek to obey you in all that we do. And Father, we pray that you would give us your Holy Spirit. Father, please give us a greater measure of your Holy Spirit so that we become more like you, so that we trust you more, so that we grow in love and holiness, so that we uh, can believe and know the love of Jesus for us. Lord, we pray that by your Spirit you would work in our hearts and lives in ways that are greater than we could imagine. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.